0: We're bringing you all you need to succeed in the real estate business. It's Spilling the LT, brought to you by Lawyer's Title, telling you what it's really like to work in real estate. Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Tamara Gady. Today, we're going to talk about real estate teams and how they work. But first, if you like my content, you're really going to love my escrow team. So give me an opportunity to talk to you about your title needs. My guest today is Detna Guam. He is the owner-operator of the D.A.R.E. Network, and he is also now an operating principal of Keller Williams Plano. Uh, he has 20 people on his team now, so that's a pretty big team here. Last year, they did 66 million in real estate, and Denton has been in the real estate business for 20 years. He happens to be married to my boss's boss, <laughs> 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 our VP of Operations and uh, General Counsel, Brandy uh, B- Brandy And so, I'm really excited to have Denton on the show today. I think he's going to bring a fresh perspective about how his team works and we're going to talk about things like why you should consider joining a team. So, Denton, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Absolutely, thanks for having me.
0: I'm excited. Now, uh, this is an interesting fun fact. You were the one of the very first guests on the very first podcast episode of LT of our Spilling the LT podcast. That's right. say, How many times did I say podcast? You <laughs> were the very one of the very first guests.
1: That's right. I was when y'all started launching this, I was able to come on board uh and actually Uh, And just to acknowledge I didn't marry up, so
0: (laughs) we were on that show together, Brandy and I, and
1: we talked about how to kind of navigate the world of of business whenever you have a child and and both uh, spouses work.
0: Well, and that's an interesting thing. So I've started kind of a segment to this podcast. Yeah, it's called my part arts my participate in life together series. Yeah. So it's not really real. It's not real estate focused. It's more about life. No, you know? that's great. And so I just had a couple of women on a few weeks ago, and we talked about women in real estate, work life balance, how to juggle everything, how that's to right. like have some personal time to yourself because real estate is, as we both know, twenty four seven.
1: And I think the big thing there, it you can do it. Like Mm -hmm. it's not, you can't, it's not mutually exclusive.
0: Correct. And so I think, um, that's really interesting. I, you know, I need to go back and watch that episode again, because it was you and Brandy, Lisa and her husband. That's right. And so I need to go back and watch that again. I could probably pull some really good content for a future (laughs) episode from it. I'm a big plagiarizer. I steal everything. But anyway, so what we're going to talk about today is how your team works and kind of how you got here. So let's start with that question. Okay. Um, Talk about your real estate background. Tell us how you got here.
1: Yeah. So that can be quite a long story, but I'll I'll, kind of put it in segments. I started out, graduated from Baylor University. Okay. Had no idea what I wanted to do. One of my good friends at the time, his father was a big commercial agent uh, in Austin, said, hey, go get your residential license. Go do some home sales in Dallas. If you don't like it, move to Austin. Come work with me in commercial. And at early 20s, that was the best plan I've ever had in my life. Yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) I had no plan when I was in my 20s Right. I mean, I didn't really have much of a plan.
1: (laughs) So I did that. Ended up at a company called Keller Williams Realty, uh, and it changed my life. So fast forward to, let's say, 2009- I've uh, been selling real estate there about eight, nine years. I call it the best of time, worst of times. Uh, I was selling about 55 homes, I think, as an individual agent that year. In 2009?
0: In 2009. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Average price
1: point was like 220
0: Okay. That's a lot of homes for 2009. <laughs> it is 2009. a lot of homes. <laughs> lot of homes. And, uh,
1: you know, the interesting fact that probably I'll dive a little deeper on is that also was the year my dad passed. Okay. He was diagnosed with cancer about four to five years earlier. And so that's why I call it the best of times, worst times, had the yeah, best
0: makes sense, personal
1: career going on in my life. But we found out end of 2008 that the cancer had came back in my father. So mm-hmm. we moved him and my mom down to MD Anderson, uh, got him a place at Rice Village. And my father was a little older father. So the chemotherapy that was required to save his life or get rid of the cancer, unfortunately, was probably going to uh, get rid of him too. He just yeah. wasn't uh, physically strong enough to handle the chemotherapy. So he made a decision to, you know, make his life as comfortable as possible. Uh, He passed November 13, 2009. But that year gave me, I mean, I I consider there's a handful of times in my life that I've changed before and after. When I was 16 years old, went to the Philippines, realized how spoiled I was. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad was a doctor, mom was a nurse. I lived a good life growing up. Uh, When I grew up playing baseball and realized in college, this is as far as I was going to go. I was no longer going to be an athlete. When my dad passed in 2009. When I got married to my wife, Brandy, and then when I had my two kids, Nash and Kai, everything changed. Sure. So going back to 2009, I really had to figure some things out. I almost got out of the business. 2010, 2011, 2012 were not great years for me career-wise. And personally, people told me I needed to grieve. I didn't understand what that meant. But towards the end of 2012, I started looking and saying, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I kind of got back to my personality. I need to do this. Yeah. So I started looking at teams okay. and expansion and understanding what that looked like.
0: Well, in Keller Williams' culture, it generates that. You yes, know, they it does. foster people yeah. starting teams and expand now expansion teams, things like that. That's so. right.
1: I mean, it's where it is today is absolutely amazing. I, I remember in early two thousands, they were talking about teams and people were still saying, "Oh, that's not going to work. That's a fad." It, it's kind of like people buying. You know, um, homes on the internet. Now that no one's going to go on yeah. and look at the internet. Yeah, right. Look at Realtor and Zillow today. So fast forward today. Now you know teams are are, are a big uh, part of the real estate industry. There are people coming in, building teams in five years, doing more in real estate than some people do in their entire career. You are right years. about
0: that. I mean, we've got some heavy hitter teams That's like right. yours as clients that we're very blessed to have you. And it is really interesting because I had like Elizabeth Austin on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's a prime example Absolutely. of someone extremely successful within that team structure. That's right. So, okay. So 2012, you started the team.
1: So I started building the team. I started studying teams, understanding how to um, hire people. I think the biggest lesson, one of the biggest lessons I learned was as an individual agent, you can kind of just do what you want. Right. You can get things done and you kind of run at your own pace, whether it be super fast, super slow, or just do when you want. When you start building a team, you can't do that. It's a totally different concept because people are relying on you. You're also uh, putting a lot of the expenses up to build an infrastructure for people to grow. So I fumbled my way forward, and I'm still fumbling my way forward. We have an amazing team now. Uh, we just, I think, did a little over... Total as a company, we're approaching twenty-two or twenty-three hundred homes sold or families served.
0: That's incredible. Um,
1: but probably now today, the biggest thing is how do I scale this? How do I continue to help people grow, help them hit their goals, so our company can still hit our goals? If that makes sense, it that's does. probably the yeah. biggest challenge that we're we're dealing with today.
0: So let's let's kind of dive a little bit deeper into sure. challenge solution. Okay? okay, so let's talk about what some of those hiccups were that you had. Sure and how you solve that problem. Today, you're talking about trying to scale, get even bigger. Are we talking about the team here locally or are we talking about expansion teams? What are we talking about as far as growth and scalability? I think
1: it's all the above. So when you look at any business, if you think of any um, great business, restaurant, whatever, um, franchise models, some of the best franchises in the world, McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, they have systems and models in place. And then of course, great people to run those systems and models. Um, So that's what I mean by scalability. I think me included, we're very entrepreneurial by heart, right? So as an agent, I just want to go and do things. I just want to get things done. But then the business is too dependent on me, right? Because if I don't show up, or as we know with individual agents, if you don't wake up today and go to work, then nothing happens, right? But to build systems and models is one of the first places that I missed is I really needed to make sure and build that out through, um, let's call it operations, Right, the behind the scenes.
0: Sure, and I, you know, it's I, 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 hate talking about CRMs because I'm sorry if you don't have a CRM. You well, know, that's what, part like, of it. You know, come on, let's get on board here. But um, I, you're tapping into some really interesting things. So, key hires or key yeah. people as you're growing. So, right. can you lay out? as you were growing the team, who those key people were, and did you hire the wrong ones first? How did you find them? Or maybe the better question is, how did you find them? So what are the key people, and how did you decide who that was, Okay, that actual person?
1: No, that's good. There's a lot to unpack there. So first, let's start with key hires. Now, I'll tell you what the book says as well, but I'll tell you what I did. Okay. So the first key hire, any agent that's listening to this, or any business should hire, um, is more an operations person.
0: Yeah. Right. That's like what the a TC book says. is what we're talking you about. You could be,
1: I would say, um, ad- administrative assistant is kind of one word. It, it, you can call it whatever you want, but you need help managing, um, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Yeah. So you as an entrepreneur can go do what you do best, which is shaking hands, kissing babies, going and putting deals together, showing houses. Um, Gary Keller said, if you don't have an assistant, you are the assistant. Right. Which there's nothing wrong with that, but then there's no way to scale that. And then that's where you see a lot of individual agents get a lot of burnout. Yep, absolutely. Right, tons of burnout. They're like, man, I just can't keep doing this. It's great money, but- I don't see my family. I have, I don't had, have, any I have personal conversations time. about
0: this all the it's, time. All the time, I'm like hire a TC, well, hire an admin, personal absolutely. assistant. What do you? What is it that you need? Uh, yeah. Where do you see? It's income producing activities. Uh, yes, stick with your income p- producing activities. Delegate the rest. Yeah,
1: and what's funny, and it's well not funny, but what's interesting is whenever I talk to all those agents that ask me how did I get past that because I'm a self proclaimed control freak, but I had to give that up right? But that's a hard, th- that's where most of the this agents is a struggle. a very
0: difficult thing. That's where they struggle. I hear that all the time. That's I, where they struggle. I, I, no one else can fill out my contracts that's the right. way I do.
1: That's right. And I'm saying and That's not wrong. true. That's you're not wrong.
0: True.
1: <laughs> but where most people struggle is that. And then if they do take the leap of faith, mistakes are going to happen. Things are going to happen. And they rather deal with the pain of just doing it themselves, than the pain of training, leading somebody else.
0: Well, and there is something to be said there, right? Because my current assistant, I mean, she's been on board six, seven months, something like that now. Right. And there is a ramp up period to that. And it is painful. It is painful. But you have to take that time. It's a little bit of a short-term setback for the long-term gain, right? Yeah. And
1: you're trying to tell a lot of agents who are entrepreneurial to become more structured. I mean, we got into this business for the lack of structure that provided us to do what we wanted. And then you're telling <laughs> us we have to go build structure, right? So it's a very interesting dichotomy that you have to understand. Yes. And that's kind of a, you know, you move towards that dichotomy and then understand, okay, well, that's what a business is. Right. So I've got to learn how to run a business. And that's what I forced myself to do was learn the systems and models. So I can be here right, right now doing this podcast right. with you. So the business still runs and the agents are still being served and leads are still coming in and contracts are still happening. And when things go south, my phone's not blowing up. We have people that answer the phone. Right. Right.
0: So, okay. First hire to admin. Yeah. First hire
1: hire is admin. So the the proper way to do it would be another admin. Okay. So you would take that first executive assistant who would then take all your models and systems and how you like to run business and start putting it on a, let's call it a PNG or policy and guidelines manual. And then as you get busier, because you're doing more dollar productive activities, you would hire a second admin that would be a transaction coordinator to start handling high-end customer service or really great customer service to your clients as you put them under contract, right? That TC can also be a listing manager had as well, where when you put listings on, they can also manage that customer service focus as well.
0: Well, and you tapped into something. Uh, sorry, I just keep distracting right. what you're saying. Up. Um up? It- I think what's really interesting about what you just said is a high level of customer service, but also making sure that you stay top of mind with your past clients, because most realtors do not get repeat business, sure. right? Because it's a they don't 11% have that structure. Of the, yes.
1: Use the same agent, 80% said they would, but only one out of every 10 clients actually use the same agent.
0: That's such a staggering number, yeah. right? And so, and we're, just someone... at, we're
1: at only 45% repeat business and we do four major events a year, over a hundred different touches to our clients. So it's it's understandable. That's part of the business model you have to understand.
0: Yeah, and I get that. I mean, I think 45% is a great number. It's right? a great number compared great to the number.
1: industry average. Internally, it doesn't feel great. You want more.
0: Well, we always want more. But I think what's really what I really like about this is because you're starting to build out your systems, right, so that fallout is less likely. Yes. Okay? So you've got your your next TC in place, or you're, you have ad, first an admin, the next person is your TC, then what's after that?
1: Okay. So now your third hire should be uh, what would be, would be considered internally called a showing specialist. It also could be called a production partner. It would be the person that eventually would become your buyer's agent. Yeah. Now, let's go back to my story. <clears throat> and there's nothing wrong with it, but I hired a buyer's agent first. Right,
0: and a lot of people do,
1: and well, because it, you, there's no salary, it's easier to do. Right, they can kind of do, they, they can do what you do because you're in sales, but then behind the scenes it's very messy. Mm. And so I Tell ran it why. that way. Why is it messy? Yeah, because you have two salespeople.
0: Okay, but in theory, <laughs> aren't you offloading the stuff that? Because the way most agents work when they add a buyer's agent, yeah. they're just strictly focusing on listings, yeah. right? Yeah. I think uh, from what I hear, a lot of realtors do they offload the buyers first. Yeah.
1: Well, think about it this way. If we owned a restaurant, we would need a handful of people. And if we had more uh, waiters over there selling our menu to to people, but not enough chefs to cook, not enough people to manage, not enough people to bust the table, right? All we would be good is is the front end sales. And then they're like, well, everything was good until our food came out late. It came out cold. This wasn't the right order. Hey, I, I asked for this, uh, you know, a few... A few minutes ago, still haven't got it, right? Hey, we're waiting on our check. That's what happens whenever you start doing a ton of business. Hey, the the title company, mortgage company's calling, insurance calling, and then you have people that are under contract or you're trying to help, but you still got to focus on getting new people under contract. So that's why two salespeople doesn't really make sense.
0: And this this structure are people that are control freaks that haven't given it up to (laughs) CC yet.
1: (laughs) That too. But it's easier for a salesperson because that's easy for me to say, hey, here's what we do. Right. Right um we have to get more focused right uh on on the structure piece or the operational piece right so you get a showing specialist they come in and they help you like you said <coughs> excuse me with the buyers Right, because buyers do take up a lot of time. So this person now becomes your production partner and shows the buyers in, inside, out of the house. You still maintain negotiations, the contracts, you're still in front of the consumer, but that person then eventually becomes your buyer's agent.
0: So while they're showing specialists,
1: how do you construct their compensation? They can be multiple different ways. Salary plus commission, salary plus bonus, straight commission. It really depends on the person. Got it. Okay. And it also, across the country, it also depends on how much they're going to do as well.
0: Okay, Uh, next one.
1: So the next one, which is probably one that, um, is still a little bit new in the real estate industry. I would say the next hire would be an inside sales associate, or what we call an ISA ISA, internally. Okay. Now most people think another agent. But as we know, if we look at business in real estate, the key to a solid business is leads, listings, and leverage. So let's say you're getting the leads. Well, now you need to bump up your listings. You need to have inventory on the market because when you have inventory on the market, there's more open houses happening. There's more leads coming in, more sign calls. You're out there on the internet, et cetera, et cetera. And you're probably getting a lot of referrals because if you sell a house, there's a chance that somebody else in the neighborhood wants to sell their house too. Matter of fact, there's a study that for every one sign that goes up, two more thing, two more people in the neighborhood. Are thinking about selling? Interesting. Yep, I did know that one. No. Yep. Yep. Okay.
0: Let's let's um, let's back up just a second. So, for those who don't know, um, explain what an ISA does.
1: Yeah. So, from a very simple perspective, when you're getting these listings and going on these appointments, and you have a lot of these inbound leads, sign calls, internet inquiries, whatever it may be, emails, this person would somewhat filter these leads to set you up on appointments. Okay. Okay. Um, so it's no different than if you called. Uh, uh, let's say a a, a a a doctor, right? You don't get a hold of the doctor when right. you call. You call, somebody answers the phone. What do you have? What symptoms? Is it emergency or non-emergency? Okay, since it's emergency, here's what we should do. Non-emergency, here's what we should do. Here's the time you can meet. Come in, and then you meet the doctor. And there's all sorts of stuff. Again, we're we're building a business here, right? Right. So that's what you do. This is so. Again, the agent can focus on the four core competencies, which is lead generation, lead conversion go on appointments and write contracts. Now, while he's going or she's going on writing appointments or contracts or on the phone, the ISA is still answering the phone, right? So let me give you one example. If I put a sign in your yard, Tamara, to sell one of your houses and you called the sign, would you want that to be answered? Of course. Okay. And how fast would you want that to be answered?
0: Very quickly. Okay. I right. don't want to go to voicemail. Give, me, give me an r- example. Like, second ring. I second ring. Okay. Yeah. So
1: you want some answer every time within well, business hours. Of okay. course. Now, this is a... Also, me. I'm, I'm not calling out the industry, but if you go right now and drive to the neighborhood and call a sign, of you're a probably home, not going
0: to get them. You probably aren't <laughs> going to get anybody,
1: and and this is the sad part: you're probably going to have no one call you back either. Yeah. Now that's not now, a I good sign disagree. of a business. If you had any business that you're, um, you know, giving six percent to, because that's roughly around there. We, you know, we're not saying that's finite because we can't talk commission, sure. but if you're giving around that amount, what kind of customer service would you want?
0: Well, I want my right? house sold, right? That's
1: right. Would you want to stay in a nice hotel and call down the front desk concierge and need something they've never answered? No,
0: that's of course not.
1: <laughs> people get mad about an Uber that takes more than five minutes.
0: I know. It's everything. I want it now. Yeah.
1: I and that's a now. 30, 40. So could you imagine? So that's what ISA's got to manage that. you got to have customer service. And also, those people are potential buyers and sellers. Those could be neighbors that are thinking about selling and they're just curious of what the home is worth so they can figure out what their home is worth. But that's how you get critical mass and start growing. Right. It's, um, we, you know, for a while there, we're getting a couple hundred sign calls a, a month.
0: That is a lot.
1: It's a lot, but you have to have the listings. That's why it's leads, then listings, then leverage.
0: Sure. Let's clarify where you get, where your team gets their sure. leads. Can you sure. tell me the percentages of You
1: know, that's a good question. Sources? I would say my operations person, we need to be here to give you the exact percentages.
0: Yeah, rough numbers. But I would yeah, say sure. over 40, 45%
1: percent of our business comes from repeat past clients. Okay. 40,
0: okay. 45%. Have the yeah. client appreciation events made a bit big, has that been the key to that number?
1: That's a great question. Um, I would say yes, 100%, okay. but I can't, like an internet lead, I cannot say because we did this party, we got this kind of, we got a repeat business. We got clients. Got it. All I can tell you is that if we stop doing the parties, our business goes down. Okay. Out of sight, out of mind, right? It's it's interesting. And there's lots of great marketing books on it. Well, but there's a reason why people that have, businesses that have great exposure in the industry still spend millions of dollars for Super Bowl ads, Right. There's a reason because out of sight, out of mind.
0: Top of mind right. selling. I'm a big proponent Especially of in
1: Dallas because how many agents do we have here in Dallas?
0: I don't even know. 35,000 active agents. Okay, Is it There's 35- a lot of competition. I've heard an interesting stat that 47% of those who start got their license in 2021 have already dropped – in 2022 have already dropped out. Yeah. I mean it's it's a tough business. Um, but kind of back to what you were saying you know, because the client appreciation event wasn't always a thing right? Yeah. We're, as an affiliate, we did things like that, sure. right? But I've only seen the client appreciation event increase in popularity over the last probably five, six years, yeah. something like that. Yeah. It wasn't a thing when I first came into the business.
1: No, I think it was <laughs> something that you needed to do with your clients, but it wasn't to the extent that it's being done today.
0: So give All an right? example of one of your client appreciation. All events. right, I'll give
1: us our biggest and best. Um, and, and this leads into like a, a bigger conversation on your database and how to take care of them. But we have the Frisco Rough Riders stadium here in Frisco, that is a minor league baseball team. It has a deck on right field that has a hundred yard pull, and it's all you can eat, all you can drink. So for the last five years, we've rented that out and gave our clients um, a basically Fourth of July party. Right? They come in there with their family uh, from at six o'clock. All you can eat, all you can drink. Stand the pull. Watch a baseball game. And then at the end of the game, they go on the field and watch a firework display uh, for 4th of July.
0: Super fun. I've been to it before in my previous life, right? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's right. In your previous life, you were definitely there. Okay. Before you go on to how to take care of your clients, finish telling us your split up of how you get your leads. Yeah. So the
1: rest, um, uh, we do have quite a bit from internet leads, Yeah, right? And those internet leads come from um, Google pay-per-click, Facebook ads, and then the various different uh, syndications we have. I don't okay. know the exact percentage, but it's probably 10 or 15%. Okay. And then, um, with the, with the amount of people we have, the one thing that we committed to about two years ago was open houses. So last year, um, we did as a team, shout out to them, I believe 367 open houses, almost one open house. How many day.
0: say that? number.
1: 367 open houses. That's last year.
0: incredible. Yeah.
1: Now from those 367 open houses last year, I believe it generated about $270,000 of gross income. Okay. Right. That's not including all the nurtures or what we call potential leads of the future. That are still sitting in our database that we got from all those open houses.
0: See, and guys, this is gold nugget. I mean, just if you think open houses don't work, you're wrong. <laughs> Didn't seem as proof that they still work, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I mean, when the market got super aggressive, right? Everybody just all the tried and true ways of building a real estate business just went by the went by the wayside because yeah. everybody's hair was on fire, yeah. right? But I'm seeing a lot of more increase in open houses, and we're back into multiple offers and sure. multiple showings and lines out the door on some of the houses up here in Collin County. So, you know, I, I always coach people that's, and that's a great way to pick up buyers, right?
1: Buyers and sellers. You actually, you actually focus on picking up sellers with it first. Okay. Which is a a big misconception.
0: Okay. Explain.
1: So with our open houses, we do what's called circle prospecting. Right. So we call it again. If you go back to that stat I gave you, when somebody goes on the market neighborhood, there's at least two other people thinking about going to market. Now, how do you get in front of those people? So our open houses isn't just sticking signs in the yard and then showing up and helping people walk in. We do a lot of proactive stuff online through, obviously, Facebook ads, Google pay-per- pay-per-click ads. We also do what's called circle prospecting. That's just picking up the phone and having a dialer that dials the entire neighborhood and letting people know that we're putting a home on the market. And if you like to know what your, um, what your home is worth, we also offer that to them, invite them to the open house as well. And what happens is if you know a home that's going up in your neighborhood or one of the neighborhoods that you have an investment in, would you kind of like, well, what is it selling for? Is usually the, the question. 100%. Yeah, because you're like, well, wait a minute. If that's going up in value, mine's got to be going up in value.
0: What is, it, what is it selling for and what does it look like?
1: That's right. And so we either invite you and then we get in conversation with you. It's like, and then we say, great. Have you thought about selling real estate in 2023? Yeah. Right? Love it. Then they also do door knocking. They do face-to-face. So 25 door knocks to the left, 25 door knocks to the right, are again, offering home evaluations, inviting them to the open house. A lot of nosy neighbors, right? But these are people that, most likely own houses. Every now and then you run into to tenants, which is fine. And sometimes they are interested too. Right? And then we put up 25 signs, actually do the open house, and then people come into the open house. You get a lot of uh, momentum. Okay,
0: right? that's, that's a golden, another golden nugget. How to capitalize on an open yeah, house, for yeah. sure. That's
1: kind of the, the higher level. There's a little bit more detail behind sure. it, but at the end of the day, that's how we do it. And you know, agents will do three to four open houses. I think the best way to describe lead generation for me is it always comes down to two things. It's time and money. Yeah. Either it's a lot of time, a.k.a. open houses, or a lot of money, Google pay-per-click, or it's something in the middle, time, client event, with money behind it.
0: Love it. I think all of this, you're sharing such great information. I think it's very valuable. So let's go back to the client relationship, how to take care of your clients. So
1: obviously, everybody loves a a free pie, an event, but at the end of the day, that still doesn't guarantee that they're going to come back to you. So one of the things we focus on uh, is being what one of my mentors would say is being the hyper-local economist of choice. Meaning are you-
0: Hyper-local economist of choice. Right. Okay.
1: Right. So when something goes on in uh, your life, medical-wise, you call your doctor. When something goes on in your life that you need to, uh, let's say, make a claim on because you got in a wreck or whatever, you call your insurance person. So the goal for us is when something goes on in their life that affects their real estate, we want them to think of us. Now, the key with that is it's both positive and negative, meaning people call us to sell and buy real estate or invest in real estate because either they're getting married or they're getting divorced, they're starting a family or they're empty nesters, they're getting a new job or they lost a job, mm-hmm. right? So the lifestyle is the number one reason why people need to buy, sell, and invest in real estate. So my goal is to have what's called as mindshare. When they think real estate, they think us. And then to take it a step further, we also like helping our clients to build wealth. The number one thing I always ask whenever I meet a client is, have you thought about keeping this home as an investment property instead of selling it? Like there should be no reason to sell this property. Well, and and that's counterintuitive people... to my industry.
0: Well, but there's a lot of people wanting to do that right now because they don't want to get rid of their, get rid of their house that has like a 2.5% sure. interest rate, right?
1: But I think you should you should never do it. I think honestly, as a real estate agent, you should never sell a piece of house piece of property unless there's a bigger opportunity you're trying to get, right? Whether it be the 1031 exchange or you're buying it to some, maybe another company, right? You should use that real estate as a piggy bank for the future.
0: Oh yeah. I've never, I've only sold one house in my lifetime. Yeah.
1: Now, some people can't do that, right? Some people are like, my equity's tied up. That's the downside of real estate. It's not very liquid, right? So- I've
0: always found ways to access my equity.
1: Well- <laughs> Sure, in 30 days.
0: Well, sure. But right now, if you want to go sell stock,
1: you could go to your phone, pull it out, and go sell stock and have it in your account in two to three days.
0: Well, I don't know. If I sold one of my houses today, it'd probably go pretty quick. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, okay, get back to you. So Um, we
1: got to be that hyper-local economist choice, and then uh, the the next level or level two to that would be – how do you help them build wealth through real estate?
0: Yeah. I love that conversation because I think that's such a great, it's such a great way to build wealth. Yeah. And I feel like it's really underutilized. I have a lot of friends who aren't in real estate, single yeah. females, and they invest in stocks and their four hundred one K and you know, an IRA or a Roth IRA or whatever it is. And I'm like, have you thought about buying a rental?
1: Yeah. And if you run the numbers out, the, the real estate looks quite a bit better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying do one or the other, do both, do whatever you're comfortable with. But we help a lot of people buy their first investment property, second investment property. A lot of people just buy investment property to help their child go to college. Because if you buy an investment property today, 15 years from now, the appreciation, the debt pay down, the tax benefits you get, and you sell that 15 years from now, you're paying for at least half, if not more, of the college. I love that. Right? Because a lot of people are like, how do we pay for my kid's college? Like, well, let's talk about buying one investment property.
0: Love it. I think it's a great idea. Okay, so keep going with the client care.
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, the if, if we had to go to the, the next level, um, it's really staying in front of mind, and that's the marketing. I, I think I had to go back to that. It's mindshare. Um, if you're out of sight, out of mind, and not bring any value to them, then they're just not going to think, you know, we play word association. So this is the litmus test I give to my agents um, in their sphere. I said, if I were to call your sphere right now, Tamara, let's say you're on my team. And I said, hey, I, I want to play um, a little uh, word game association. When I say Tamra, what are the three words that come to your mind, right? And if real estate is not one of them, then we have not done a good enough job to our database to make them think real estate, Denton, real estate, Tamra, real estate, whoever's on my team. I know starting out for new new agents, if you're new on the team, new into the industry, that's probably one of the biggest things you have to overcome, which is fine. When I first started out, they saw me as like a fraternity brother from Baylor. Right. They didn't really take me serious. Or yeah. a baseball player or whatever it may be. So I think the consistent and it's one of those things you can never give up on that. That's why we have over a hundred different ways that we get in front of our clients every year just to make sure they see our a hundred
0: stuff. different ways. It's 137 ways. to be exact. 137 And touch again, point this goes plan. back to the
1: operations and scaling.
0: Interesting.
1: Um luckily I'm not doing any of that. That's all done through operations. Anybody that joins the organization doesn't have to do any of that. They just have to upload their database. So that's one of the things that's so important about a team. It's I don't want to call it plug and play, but it's pretty close. Hey, you focus on what you want to do. What's best? Shaking hands, kissing babies, going out, writing contracts, going on appointments. We'll take care of the rest.
0: Um, let me ask you this: uh, did, Have you ever experienced people getting frustrated with the over with an overtouch Sure, situation. Of course. And what do you? But you still keep. You don't. You just keep can't. going down the road.
1: Yes, I. And this even goes. Um, let me give you an example. Uh, with conversations we have with internet leads or open house leads, um, there's studies that show that you have to close five times in order to get an appointment. Now, it's not like, hey, meet with me, meet with me. It's a proper way to have a conversation and say, oh, you know what, sounds like we should meet. Maybe we should go over that and build a plan together for you. Yeah, I've told agents, and I will tell agents, I'd rather you lose a deal because you ask too much than never ask at all. And you see that all the time when you talk to some of the um, best people that have been in business forever, the number one issue most salespeople have is they don't ask for the business.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure,
1: right? They just don't ask.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely,
1: right? Um, so when I do open houses and I help other agents, I say, Great, well, tell me how you capture the information, how you follow up, and how you ask for the business. And they don't, they just put the signs up, stand in the open house, and kind of say, Hey, here's the house, it's priced for this much. Here's is anything else to can help you with, and that's it.
0: It's just losing right? money, it's right? Money. And so yeah.
1: You know, they can't expect you any business from that. So, yes, have we had a client in our database say, we just get too much stuff from you? Of course we do. Have we had clients that we've never heard from once and go, hey, we're ready to sell our home? Sorry, we've never responded. And they come back to us, then we know it's working because they won't respond to one thing. They won't come to one event. But when they have that real estate need, who do they think of? Us.
0: So, the benefit of this 137 touch plan, a point touch plan, the benefits have far outweighed any Absolutely. cons that you've yeah. experienced.
1: Absolutely, and and if you try to approach something where it's always going to be no cons, then that's not reality.
0: Well, sure, but I was just kind of curious because that's something that I hear is fear from sure. hounding people too much or whatever you want to sure what whatever you want to call it. And so I think that's really interesting that it's one hundred thirty seven. Yeah. Well, it's also interesting that you know that number. It's yeah. it's not it's not one hundred thirty. It's not one hundred forty. No, it's one hundred thirty seven right now. <laughs> Um, I have another question for you before we wrap up. And I, God, I could talk to you for, for forever. Um, how do you keep your team on track and motivated? Mm. Okay, now, That's hold on. It's a good on. one. Okay. You know, I, I referenced 2020, 2021 in the first half of 2022. Everybody's hair was on fire. We were running around all the place. De- Deals were falling out of the sky, right? And then it was July, August, July. About July and August okay. when it just stopped because sure. interest rates went up, right? And sure. consumers got scared. So from that time, until, and obviously, you know, people are coming back out now, right? We're seeing an increase in real estate transactions again. But there was that time, right, where I was having a lot of conversations with our clients about, I have no deals and I don't yeah. know where the next one's going to come. And, and a lot of, there was a lot of motivation needed to yes. keep moving down the road, yes. right? So use, I'm, just, I'm just laying out some groundwork. You don't have to go by that. But no, this how, is do good. You, how do you, during okay, let's say during that time, yeah. how did you keep them going?
1: Well, I don't think it's just during that time. I think it's the entire time. Okay. I, I think no matter what, the entire time, how do you, how do you keep anybody motivated? Well, that's so true. Yes. here's a couple things, and I don't know how much time we have, but I'll be as fast as I can. You don't have, you're fine. At the end of the day, you can't motivate anybody. That's just the pure fact. They only can motivate themselves. I can show them the door. I can give them a little kick in the butt, if you will. But at the end of the day, if they don't want to do it or they're not motivated, after a week, they're not going to go. Just like my friends that own gyms, January, February are their biggest months. And after that, they all cancel. And no matter how much we tell people that if you're not healthy or whatever, you, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna have lots of problems, whatever, it doesn't matter. Unless they pick inside themselves that they're gonna make a change or become motivated, they won't do it. So how do I get to that? Well, i really big uh, one of my mentors really believes in vision boards. OK, so the very first week and anybody joins my organization, we put a five year plan together. Where would you want your life to be five years from now? Because I'm assuming just like everybody, you want to improve your life, right? OK, the question is, how do you want to improve your life? What do you actually want that to look like? People say it, but actually don't put a plan together. Right. So now let's say we put the plan together. For some people, it's super easy. They can dream big. For other people, they really struggle on looking past tomorrow. Okay. Right. So we work on that, but it is their goals, not mine. I made that mistake. I cannot tell them, Hey, I want you to sell hundred houses because that's what we need. It's not what it is. Hey, I need you to sell the houses that you need to hit your goals. Okay. So we put that together and then we start putting formulas behind it or money behind it in the MREA book or the millionaire real estate agent book, it says it's not about the money. It's about what the money can do. And this is where it really hits home. Let's say you have big dreams five years from now. I had them go back and research. What kind of money would it take for you to do that? Okay. If you want to travel the world or you want to have that second house or you want to start a family, you're going to have to have money to do it. So how much is it going to cost you?
0: Interesting. Right. Yeah,
1: Otherwise, what, what are you shooting for? Right. If you don't have a goal, then you're just kind of wandering around and whatever happens, happens, which I was that way too. But if you know specifically where you need to go, right, just like when you get on a plane, you don't want the captain goes, well, I think we're just going to take off. We may (laughs) go west. We may go east. I don't know. When we run out of gas, we'll let you know. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: Right? You're not going to do that. We're going to this destination, and I need them to know their destination. Okay. Now, the trip from where they are to where they want to go, that's the tough part. That's where it comes in. So then now we break down what they have to do, just like with anything, in order to hit their goals incrementally, weekly, monthly, quarterly, to start having the money to build the life they want. And so you literally tie your daily activity today to that house you want five years from now. You tie today's daily activity to the family you want to start five years from now. Because that's the only way. If you just wake up and do it, there's some people that can do the grind, but you will get burnt out. And even the people that can do the grind will get burnt out. And then you have to bring them back to their motivation and, and challenge are you sure this is what you want to accomplish 5 years from now is this really what you wanted because if it isn't that's okay but what you're telling me is you're quitting today that means you're quitting 5 years from now
0: so i hear that there's some accountability in this as it's well.
1: 100% accountability so it's, it's we 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 have a goal meeting once a week but i probably meet with my agents probably 40 to be fair 40 42 times a year one on one going over their goals and accountability
0: how many times uh,
1: once a week. So minus, once you know, the the off weeks and vacations and traveling and uh, educational events, it probably ends up being about forty times. Okay, so one-on-one. you meet
0: with twenty team members.
1: Not all twenty. Probably okay. about a dozen.
0: Okay. Yeah. And go over their goals and where they're at at trying to meet yes. their goals. That is. Okay. It's very
1: specific. It'd be yeah, no it's Very specific. If you hired a coach and he said you got to do this to, like, I want to lose weight. If I hired a, a health coach, he'd prescribe me specifically exactly what I want to do. Right. Does a
0: team have a coach or are you the coach? I'd, right
1: now, I'm, I I would be the coach. You're the coach. Yeah.
0: Do you have a coach? I'm assuming you have a coach. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've had a coach my whole life. Yeah, I grew will, up in an athletic yes.
1: background, so I've always had a coach. In oh, my life. yes. Well, that's right, true, too. Yeah. So it comes very natural for me.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um. Before we wrap up, any additional advice to the listeners who want a team or have a team? Yeah.
1: So if, if you're looking for a team, <coughs> I think the, the first thing you'd want to do is kind of understand your vision. So there's a book written by Simon Sinek called Start With Why. I would highly recommend that book if you want to build a team. Because I think you need to understand why you want to build the team. Like what are the reasons, right? And that would help you really build the platform. Because there are a lot of teams out there, a lot of great teams, and there's a lot of bad teams. Yeah. Right? Just like there's a lot of great agents, a lot of bad agents. Yeah. Just is. That's life. Yes. So you need to really understand why you're building the team. And once you get that, again, the five-year vision, then you can start putting the building blocks around it. Right. Got it. That would be it in regards to team. And then once you kind of understand that, you need to get really good at learning how to hire. Right? Not it's very tough. Not it is very tough. <laughs> it's very I, tough. I you know there's a there's a class called career visioning that uh, was prescribed to me by again my mentor. I've taken it 13 times. No, 14 times. Career career visioning, yeah. Okay. It teaches you how to hire, trend, recruit. Okay. Right.
0: That's a great goal. You know that, that
1: that's that's because you just don't call your buddy and say let's get in business together. It could be your buddy. It could be a family member. I'm not saying it can't be, but if in order to grow, you need to really understand how to hire people because you don't want to put a person in on the bus that's in the wrong seat, especially if they're a friend. Then your your friendships at you know could could go wrong. Oh
0: yeah, for you sure. You want
1: to make sure. Hey, here's the bus. Here's where we're going. I want to see if there's a seat on the bus for you. Right? Mm -hmm. That's career visioning in in essence.
0: Okay. Well, and... We're going to leave it there because that's a very important piece to this is how to hire the right people and making good hiring decisions. And I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. There's sure. there's a title rep um, in our organization who's like, I will never hire people again because they're really bad at it. Well, burn, you get burnt, right? Don't get me wrong. You get burnt. It's a lot of work.
1: It's a lot of work. Because once you hire somebody, to, yes. now you got to come through with what you promised. Yes. And they got to come through what they promised. Well, and
0: if they're the wrong person, then all of that is. Then
1: you got to let them go. Yes. I mean, again, now you're stepping at a different level because that's why. When I was an entrepreneur by myself, it was easier because I didn't have to worry about that. Right. When you move to that next level, that is something that you have to become responsible for. Yeah. But again, the rewards are greater not only for that person, but for the company if you can get through that.
0: Yep. Great place to stop. Thank you, Denton, for being my guest today. I really appreciate it. And thank you for joining us on another episode. Again, I'm your host, Tamara Gady. If you like my content, you're really gonna love my escrow team. So let's get a conversation going about your title needs and make it a great day.